Hi, it's John Amundsen. I want to welcome you to the next podcast in our series of podcasts presented for you by the Psychologist Association of Alberta. The purpose of the podcast is to prevent information of this timely topic timely, topical, and even controversial for the membership. I let in with this song because today is a single topic on uh, teens and social media. Uh, over the last uh, couple of years, there have been um, some initiatives that have been taken relative to the presence and the use of media in all of our lives, but especially in the lives of teens. Uh, after the first of the year, uh, Biden uh, was doing a, a, a thing on the um, TikTok and on uh, seeking to ban that, and even uh, bipartisan actions in the federal government in the United States to try to isolate kids from uh, media before the age of 13. Uh, the Surgeon General has uh, urged actions in the United States re relative to the dangers of media for kids and on and on. But the capstone of all of this for us is the Health Advisory on Social Media Use in Adolescence put out by APA. So we're going to look at their Health Advisory and the 10 recommendations that they have with that. But first, let's set some context and background uh, to all of, all of this business. Um, we, we know that uh, the use of media, and we're talking everything from, you know, Facebook to TikTok and phones and Instagram, all the things that we, we, we use every single day, our texting and our back and forth stuff. So um, uh, the background to that is that uh, by uh, in 2023, I was going to say by 2023, oops, there, there we are already, they estimated that there's about 5 billion people worldwide using social media on a regular basis. So they, they know that this is uh, hard woven into the fabric of our culture, our society, and our daily lives. Um, what has been of concern is that with any sort of technological innovation, uh, there tends to be uh, a moral panic. And the moral panic and justifiable sometimes concerns arising is how will this affect us? What difference will it make in our lives? What are the changes that can be inherent in this? And especially the perils. And uh, it's been likened to the idea of the introduction of the automobile and then the, the slow development, the slow and rapid development of licensure and guidelines and rules of the road and all sorts of things to make the use of the automobile more safe for individuals who are driving. Um, this is, uh, again, perhaps very important with social media because what we find is that depression and anxiety and suicide in young people has really grown uh, with the uh, increased use of media. And this has especially uh, been shown to be the case uh, with uh, young women and girls and uh, LBGTQ plus youth, that, that this is uh, uh, more so as social media has grown. There's a correlative, but there are actually empirical studies that have shown uh, that it is dangerous. You know, in 2004, 2006, Facebook was introduced, and what they found was that on the campuses where Facebook was emerging, there was a decline in mental health. Depression was increasing, anxiety was increasing, and that uh, this would lead us to have concern that young people are particularly vulnerable.
Why are young people so much more vulnerable? Well, they're vulnerable because uh, uh, adolescents, uh, young adults and adolescents, really prioritize um, a coherence relative to their peer group. In other words, in adolescence, we are looking to others to help us negotiate who we will be, how we will uh, uh, express ourselves in the world. Um, Erickson, uh, the original developmental guy, Eric Erickson, uh, when I was in graduate school, that my area of competency was adolescence. And he said, the, the pivotal point for the adolescence is, uh, who am I, where am I going, who will I go there with? How will I become agentic in the culture, in the society in which I exist? All right, so, so here's what we have. Um, concerns for adolescents, concerns for uh, windows. Uh, young women from 11 to 13 have been shown to be um, highly vulnerable. This was in some research in 2022. And young men between the ages of 14 and 15 become more and more uh, vulnerable. All right. Now, the, the, um, the rainbow in, in these storm clouds is also that uh, the benefits come from social connection. Uh, people can find their groups. For example, with the group I mentioned earlier, LGBTQ plus adolescents, they can find a, a uh, cohort that can be very enabling to them. Now, now again, you know, we know on the one hand, uh, you know, there's exploitation, vulnerability, being being outed, being mocked, being harmed in some ways. But on the other hand, there are connections that can be made that are enabling in terms of establishing an identity and a place and on and on. Okay, now, uh, uh, the APA guidelines do come from research and there's good research that shows that where there are certain um, parameters set around the use of social media, kids are less at harm, uh, less likely to be at risk and harmed. And again, they, they look at this in the same way we would educate kids on um, you know, management of, of vehicles, uh, in the same way we would try to set guidelines, parameters, and assistance relative to substance use. Uh, and, 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 and this ought to be part of an ongoing uh, curriculum. Uh, recently, in a little bit off-label here, uh, the uh, supervisory folks, uh, you know, the journals that uh, talk about um, um, teaching and training in psychology, have said an additional foundational competency, foundational competencies of human relation skills, knowledge of public policy, law and ethics, um, systemic appreciation, cross-cultural, blah, blah, blah. They are thinking that there should be added to that media literacy and media literacy and an appreciation of media, not only in the way we're speaking of it now, but we ought to be able to understand how we would use media and using the stuff that's emerging in uh, remote treatment and uh, uh, you know everything from Zoom, uh, uh, Jane, uh, Skype, uh, that we need to be literate on how we can use media uh, progressively and safely in the world of treatment and, and for our patients. All right, anyway, off-label a little bit. All right. So the idea of teaching digital and media literacy 
demystifying uh, the, the process, protecting privacy, looking at misinformation, uh, evaluating, you know, the, the things that relate to microaggressions, for example, or cyberbullying, that these are all things that we believe will have to be part of the changes that will come forth. Now, uh, uh, as I say, the, the federal government of the United States is actually seeking to pass legislation. I think the bill is called the Kids Online Safety Bill. And with this will become uh, come sanctions and protective acts and so on, meaning a kid doesn't walk into a liquor store to buy alcohol, a kid doesn't get behind the wheel of a car without having gone through uh, a series of training and preparatory uh, exercises um, and on and on and on. Now, let me go over the 10 social media recommendations that have come out of the APA's Health um, Advisory on Social Media Use in Adolescence, okay? I'll go through them a little more slower than I'm doing the rest of this stuff because this might be the money shot in this podcast if there's anybody listening to it. All right. One, we ought to create opportunities for social support, online companionship, and emotional intimacy that can promote healthy socialization. So this is on the side of the angels. We ought to be able to develop the means of social media to do, do those, those, follow, those previous things, but the following things. Support, companionship, and emotional intimacy. Uh, there are companies and individuals that have developed these sorts of chat rooms and they're, and they're um, uh, mo- modulated, I, I think maybe that's not the right word, moderated uh, social chat rooms where they are taking care of the people that are participating in ways that are enabling. Number two, functionality and permissions and consenting should be tailored to youth developmental capacities and designs created for adults may not be appropriate for children. See, right now it's the Wild West. Uh, chat rooms and all sorts of things can, can open up. Uh, we've recently had some things in the media here in Alberta, uh, in Calgary, around uh, parents who are very concerned that their, their, their offspring's suicide might have been mediated through chat rooms and, and groups uh, that aren't moderated. And, uh, uh, you know, that this is sort of that Wild West. I'm in an adult chat room, and I'm 17, 16 years old, and people there are speaking of, you know, means perhaps to end lives. So this, this ought to be designed for youth uh, in ways that are appropriate for children that might be outside of an adult catchment. Um, Adult monitoring is very important, and this is typically in early adolescence. So from the ages of 10 to 14, young women and young men, that's a time when they might be most uh, vulnerable, and we want to support autonomy within a, a framework of safety and discussion, and that ought to include according to the APA guidelines, monitoring by parents. So they ought to be able to say, sorry, uh, big brother, big sister is going to peer in to the activities that you are engaging in online. This monitoring ought to go beyond simply the household and the parents. Social institutions, perhaps educational institutions, or institutions as yet not invented, 
ought be looking at things that are encouraging health risk behaviors, uh, harm to others, uh, everything from eating disorders to chemical misuse. There ought to be a greater monitoring of these destructive uh, havens and uh, sites uh, that, that are being developed. You know, they may attract in young people. It's like the dark web, that the dark web will attract, seek to attract a certain population relative to uh, activities that perhaps we ought as a society uh, shun or censor or eliminate. All right, so um, to, um, again, minimize harm, uh, things that relate to cyber hate, cyber bullying, uh, and uh, the kinds of things that we see being debated by Elon Musk, this idea of uh, censorship. And Musk says Twitter should not be censored until he found this guy on Twitter that had found a way to monitor his travel and where he was and what he was doing. And then he says, well, that should be censored, right? So this idea of what will be censored and the APA suggests especially things that relate to cyber hate. And this is uh, content uh, that is adverse to marginalized groups. And we all kind of have a sense of what that is, who, who that would be. And so there ought to be protective measures put in. Um, uh, now, adolescents should also be regularly screened, I'm assuming by family or others, for uh, problematic social media use. Uh, years and years ago, when Dungeons and Dragons uh, came out, there was, there was a moral panic because there was uh, uh, case studies of individuals who had taken to the catacombs of the universities where they lived. In other words, they'd found that um, underground heating and electrical systems, they would go down there and sort of hide out. We know that with any technological advance or any cultural or social advance, there will be vulnerable individuals, perhaps suffering from obsessive compulsive qualities who will become entrapped in it to their disadvantage. So this particular recommendation, this is number six of ten, is that, that adolescents should be screened relative to vulnerability so that an online or a social media life does not take the place of a larger, more generative connection with normative activities on a day-to-day -day basis. See, um, uh, that, that leads to number seven. It ought, ought not to interfere with adolescence patterns of sleep and physical activity. These are highlighted. So we can see that someone could be involved with social media, say uh, a group uh, uh, play in terms of, say, let's say hockey uh, on a PS5. And if all of a sudden they're playing much more hockey online, then they are tending to their patterns of sleep and our actual real hockey, physical activity in the world. That uh, would be something that uh, ought to be, there ought to be an intervention. Uh, now, number eight, uh, they would discourage adolescents and protect adolescents from using media for social comparison and appearance-related content. The concept of 
FOMO, FOMO, fear of missing out, leads adolescents to want to keep monitoring things online, which can then veer off of simply the generative and beneficial social interaction into, um, you know, this idea of, do I look as good? Am I coming across as good as someone else? So this idea of using social media as a comparison structure to see how you fit in with a normative group can be uh, 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 very damaging. And this, the research has shown, especially so for, for young women who may find that uh, social media is another uh, avenue for um, indoctrination and subscription uh, to societal norms relative to how one ought to present oneself physically in the world. All right, we're almost there. Uh, uh, the, that adolescent social media use should be preceded by training in media literacy. Now, we talked about this a little while back where uh, the same kind of education that takes place relative to uh, managing a car uh, in, in Canada. We are careful about the uh, use of firearms. And uh, for anybody, I mean, this isn't just for adolescents, but anybody, they've got to do their certificate course so they're at least literate regarding gun safety. This is true in health education, uh, career and life management courses uh, around sexuality, and expressions of one's uh, uh, erotic desires. Uh, and, and, and this would be an extension of that, that one would do a media literacy training and that would at least uh, uh, develop and inform uh, the individual relative to the skills and competencies that give them greater chances for balanced, safe, and meaningful social media use. And again, it, it may be that, you know, that access to social media uh, under the age of 18 or whatever would require completion of some sort of um, uh, media literacy course. Finally, number 10, substantial resources should be provided to continue scientific examination of the positive and negative effects of media on adolescent development. There is a journal that is put out by APA that focuses on the, on media. And so what they're suggesting is psychologists always just give some money. You know, we're always screaming, give us money for treatment, give us money for research. And they're saying that this ought to be ongoing so that we really do know what this developmental stuff is all about for those 10 to 14 year olds and on uh, into uh, um, early adulthood uh, and the impact uh, of media. See, we're, we're coming with a first generation that has been exposed. I did a podcast a while back on exposure to uh, adult sexuality and the average age of having been exposed to explicit sexual behavior was 11 years old in the States. And I think it's even gone down a little bit since I did the podcast. So the so kids are on elementary school playgrounds. They've got their cell phone and they're suddenly on Pornhub or something similar. And this is where they're kind of being exposed and learning about adult sexuality. So studies now to look at how that's filtering through and then media relative to communicative, interactive, 
and socialization and socializing uh, um, through media uh, would uh, would also want to be seen. Okay, so so a long podcast, but one that has I hope been useful relative to APAs, uh, health advocacy, advi- health health advisory on social media use in adolescents. For those of you who are in clinical practice, uh, parents ask us about this stuff. They they want to know how much is too much. Uh, I did a one the uh, American Pediatric Association. Uh, had put out guidelines on how much, and that's a previous podcast I did. So the idea of how much, what kind, how can we, we can protect our kids, inoculate them against harm. All right, uh, uh, thanks a lot, and uh, find something to march us out. No, I was just telling that I, I got this, this girl before, and I uh, was together since three years, and uh, I was not even cheating her or what, and Facebook arrived, and uh, she wanted me to accept her on Facebook and I don't want it because I was like in front of her in front of her and she told me like accept me on Facebook this was virtual means no sense so I said I'm in front of you I don't need to accept you on Facebook she started to be crazy she thought that because I didn't accept her she thought I was cheating she told me like uh, it's uh, it's over. Yeah, I can't believe you. It, uh, I said, come on, you're crazy. So, like uh, I'm in front of you. I'm every day here in your house. That it means like it's jealousy, pure jealousy, for nothing. You know, virtual thing. <laughs>